Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Today on the show, I sit down with Miss Marianne Moser. Marianne's the current president and CEO at Telespark, and she's one of the co-founders of Beakerhead. She talked to us about what's going on behind the scenes at Telespark. She talked to us about the plans they had in place and the, and the roadmap that they rolled out in November and how ultimately that's being affected by the COVID-19 crisis and how they're looking to the future with optimism, but slightly differently than they were before. She talks about the experience of co-founding Beakerhead and some of the filters and some of the input they use from the outside to understand how to build a world-class event in Calgary for Calgary. Join me for a conversation with Miss Marianne Moser. Hello, and welcome to my guest this morning, Miss Marianne Moser. How are you, Marianne? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks so much for joining me on the call today. Again, as I've often said on these, I, I feel so fortunate I get to have these very intimate, amazing conversations with really unique people. And today, I'm excited to talk with you. You're the CEO of Telus Spark, and you've been in that role like just coming up a year, I think. Is that what yeah, is that, is that it's what over a year, yeah. And how, tell us a little bit about, I think everybody knows what Telespark is, but I never want to make any assumptions. Give us your quick little, like, this is what Telespark is and what it's all about. And we'll kind of start from there. Well, it's Calgary's one and only science center and every city only gets one science center. So uh, uh, it has a reputation for being a, a gem among families in Calgary. Okay. And, um, I took the job about a year ago to see if we can expand the audience and really help it help it be more relevant to what Calgary wants to do as a city. You know, oh, Calgary has this kind of innovation agenda, whatever that means different things to different people. Which we will get uh, into today for sure. Uh, yeah. We want to do some heavy lifting in that department. Okay. And how long, I remember when it was being built because, because again, as I get older, I find years blend together. How long is it as this, how long has it been there? The new one? Nine years in that location. Oh, wow. I, I, I knew I would have got that wrong because I would have been like, oh, it was like three, four, five years ago it got, it got built out. Calgary was a very different world, I would say, nine years ago than it is, let alone you know, maybe six months ago versus today because we are recording this eight weeks into you know, the COVID lockdown in, in Alberta. So I think how many cycles has Alberta been through or how many phases have we been through in those last nine years? Like a good handful, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Lots of ups and downs. It got pretty bumpy, right? For sure. Yes. yes, it It feels like we were already kind of back on our heels. Not to be whiny, because that's not who we are. We're Albertans. We don't whine. But man, we've been kind of back on our heels already. And it felt like things were starting to move in a good direction. And then left the left hook of COVID kind of came at us all. Yeah. So, you know, when you're on, on um, they always say when you're out at sea, <laughs> I'm not a seafaring person, but, you know, look at the horizon because otherwise the, the nausea will get to you. And that that's what it really feels like right now. Just We just have to keep looking at the horizon we have been knocked really hard, and uh, so we just want to get back up, keep going, and um, try not to get too discouraged, right? By the yeah, by the blows that we're taking. No, I, I appreciate the you know you've got to look farther enough out right now because if you look just at the end of the you know the end of the boat or maybe look at the wave beside you, yeah. it, and you look to the other side and you look all around you, it almost feels like you know the, the the rocky seas are everywhere. And if you look a little bit farther out, and all the conversation I've been having with everyone, it's it's been interesting the cycles because you know as COVID kind of un, unfurled itself, there was so much. Well, okay, we have to deal with what's in front of us right now. But I definitely have sensed the last couple of weeks there's more conversations starting to happen about like okay. 
little bit of hope when the government reduced, uh, released its plan last week on here's how we're going to start coming back. It started to give people a little bit of hope. And I think the conversations are shifting. But what that looks like for economic transformation for Calgary, which is kind of the theme of this of, of this podcast. So from your perspective, even how uh, Telespark kind of fits into that, and we'll obviously go broader. How do you, I guess, has COVID shifted how you see the role that you guys play as an organization in Calgary? Or is it just doubling down on the, the, the same things you guys were focusing on? We'll just pick 12 weeks ago as the pre-COVID timeline. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, we actually launched a new roadmap in November. So the, okay. uh, the COVID crisis um, has really signaled that we're on the right track. If anything, it's amplified the need to do what we need to do. Um, you know, they always say if you start a business when times are really tough, you build a super strong foundation. So in a way, for the mandate that I feel like I've um, been given, it's a, it's a test for sure to do what we need to do now in this environment, but it'll, you know, failure is not an option. And so it will, it will be that much stronger, you know, starting a business when, when everything is going great, Mm -hmm. there was a lot of, you know, I lived through, I moved to Calgary in 2000. There was a lot of friends I had that were quote unquote real estate moguls because they happened to be in the market at the right time. And then all of a sudden they overextended. And there was a lot of things that happen when things are going well, when you've never seen the alternative and you believe that, you know, the kind of the joke, this too shall pass, which I think is being overused, but that applies to negative and positive. Like when it's all good, we think it'll always be good. When it's all bad, sometimes as humans, we think it'll always be bad. Neither one are true. (laughs) Totally. Well, we started Beakerhead. How many years ago was that? You know, early uh, we started thinking about it in 2006, and and it, we really started getting it off the ground right when the 2008 crash happened. Interesting. So that's and, so, so you have you have real life experience building something and building something that I would say was also a non traditional thing to build in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I say that as a, I say that as a compliment. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, it had to be strong because it had to dig itself out. It had to be uh, created in yeah those bad times. Which brings a whole different filter to, to, to the table. So getting to the question, and it's such so easy to throw around, and it's often economic transformation and what that means. So from your perspective, and you know, obviously you've been part of Calgary for a long time and been very involved through the cycles, when you think economic transformation in Calgary, how does... What, what does that mean to you? Or how do, how do you guys, how do you think about that when you look at the role that your organization is going to play in that? What aspect of it? Or how do you guys see it? How do you guys define it internally? Mm-hmm. Well, the landscape that I think we're operating in, I, I remind myself all the time of standing on a street corner in Shanghai, having a conversation with someone who um, clearly had ties to North America. He was curious about where I came from. And um, when I said Calgary, I think he was, it seemed a bit disappointed because it wasn't a city that he'd heard of or, or yeah. had any connection to. I think about traveling one year to Winnipeg and then down to Antigua and seeing the exact same billboards, almost the exact same phrases as we use in Calgary about um, economic diversification and, you know, broadening the audience and getting girls into science and you know so recognizing globally everyone is in the same boat you know calgary's innovation agenda almost word for word you can read these kinds of things on billboards in winnipeg or in antigua or in in asia so 
So that's, uh, that's a, that's a nice kind of universal leveler. Like we do, it is easy to feel that you're the only one going through something when you're going through it, but it's not, and this is not a new phenomenon. And globally, this was already happening all over the place. That's a, I really like how that kind of levels the field because we get in our own little echo chamber here sometimes and think that we're the only ones going through the thing. <laughs> yeah. And it keeps you humble and it also helps you set your expectations at the right level. You know, I was at a thing in, um, that the Zuckerberg initiative was hosting just about 18 months ago and having a chat with people there. And they were saying, you know, we, here's the thing about Canada. We've heard of Toronto. We've heard of Vancouver. Um, we've heard of Montreal, but we don't think it's Canada. <laughs> and that's it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it kind of stops there. What's the, the whole, what's a Calgary joke? I've heard float, it's floated around so many times. What, yeah. What's a Calgary? It keeps you really humble and you know, we're absolutely invisible. So how do you, how do you become visible? if that's the context in which you operate. And the bar has to be very high. So we can't say, we, we can't define excellence or innovation by what it feels and looks like to us. We really have to, to make decisions that are competitive in a global landscape. We all travel around the world. We know what it's like in other parts of the world. So when we're deciding what we're gonna do here, it has to be something that would that would be relevant everywhere else. And I, in fact, I remember getting into, um, well, we parted ways in the early days of Beakerhead with some consultants that we had hired because, um, you know, there was a lot of pressure to make it relevant to Calgary. And I kept saying, it, for it to be worthwhile for Calgary, this has to be an awesome thing for Austin. It has to be an awesome thing for Berlin. It has to, you know, it has to be something that would thrive in Buenos Aires. It has to, you know, it has to be good enough that it could be good anywhere, and then it can do what it needs to do for Calgary. So that's why Beakerhead has kind of that flavor, and that's why so many people said to us, "Where did you? Where did this come from?" Yes, I've, I felt that it di- it didn't feel like it was from here, but that was also what made it feel cool. It was a really that's kind of because it's risky from a marketing perspective. You go like, "What does our what does our target audience care about the most? Let's make it that." Where sometimes you know you have to go counter to that. It's kind of what the old joke: if you asked them what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. But you know, obviously that went like, "No, we're going to give them what they really need," which is what you guys did with that. And that's it. Does, does Beakerhead travel around the world at all, or is it only in Calgary? This is my ignorance. I don't even I don't even know. It feel it feels like it should be out all over the world. I know, born, bred, raised, and thriving in Calgary. And um, lots of people have asked to have versions of it there. Um, the reality is it's really, it's really perfect for this city. You know, never do something like Beakerhead in New York. It's too dense. You need, you know, you can't flames. The New York fire department would, would have a panic attack. You know, it it works in this city. So, you know, we, we said, let's look at what people sometimes call, call um, weaknesses and turn them into strengths. So, you know, I, I really, I really like what you said there about like, these are things that would only work here. When I went over to, I think it was in Fort McLeod uh, on the east side, when you guys have the dinosaur and the flames everywhere and you're, you're right. You, some places that just would not be workable yeah. at all based on the jurisdiction. So how do we play to our strengths and then like take them as far as we can? Yeah. So it's that fine yeah. line. It's that tension between being um, perfect for here and only doable here and relevant for anywhere you know, on that kind of global scale. And the same is for the science center. The same is true for the science center. You know, it's Calgary's one and only science center. And it is without a doubt uh, by and for Calgarians. And it is, it is much loved. And we program those conversations and experiences um, to a large extent for Calgary. 
However, in order for that science center to do the heavy lifting that it needs to do for Calgary and for where we want to go as an economy, it also has to be really appealing to visitors. Yes, from a, from a tourist attraction. Yeah, yeah, we can't be talking to ourselves. Oh, and so often I love to travel and my first thing when I arrive anywhere is I'll just punch in the top, the classic top 10 search list. And often it is those large types of facilities that are, that show up on that list for the engaging experiences that they provide. And I'll go search them out when I travel, but I'll be honest, I've only been to this one once and it's like 10 minute drive from my house. <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. It's a wonderful facility. It's a wonderful science center and it, and it really serves its, you know, those families really well. Um, there's lots of room for growth for it to be a place that's, you know, that where you send your visitors. If you have visitors coming to Cal- Calgary, you're going to send them to the Science Center. So that's our goal. And that's in store. We have <laughs> to take a different route there because of this COVID crisis. But that's, you know, that's the mountain we're climbing. How much has that, how much has the, it's hard not to talk about the COVID crisis, but I, I like what you said that it's actually made your plans and your drive more relevant and even more important and potentially accelerated. Is there anything you guys have had to shift or think about differently? Just trying to adapt to this unknown, this, you know, unplanned future that we've all got bearing down on us. Yeah. Well, I mean, being closed and being a really hands-on environment and being, um, especially being branded as really hands-on, we have to mm-hmm. be very careful about how we open. You know, yeah, everything there is experiential. That's part of the value. That's part of the value of it, right? You get in and you touch and you get your quote unquote hands dirty, which has become a very taboo thing all of a sudden. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to be careful. It's uh, it's not a a problem that we can't solve. There's lots of ways of creating pathways, pathway experiences that are also um, super safe, you know, and the, and the science will apply science to making sure it is safe. The thing that we feel that we need to, to lead with is some of the conversations that this pandemic is is opening up. I mean, oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, the, this has very much been a science led situation. I think Alberta is also really with the, you know Dr. Dean Hertzschild. Some of the people that have been the the spokespeople for this has very much been a scientific approach. And I think Alberta has been I think heralded for 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 approaching it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think we can all say, do we want this to happen again? No, we do not. I'm, I'm going to go with the obvious no on that. <laughs> yeah. So there were conditions in the world that made this pandemic possible. And I think now we need to uh, remove those conditions. I don't think anybody is willing to go through this again. So we need to remove the conditions that made this possible. And, um, you know, so those are the conversations that we have to have because those conditions made we have to give up some things, whatever it was. Yes there's sacrifice. And I think sometimes it has to get bad enough for us to be willing to sacrifice some of the things that, you know, I'll be honest, we maybe just don't want to. <laughs> yeah. And to me, they're trade-offs. I mean, it might, it feels like sacrifices to some people, but we are a social species. We, we really, you know, this is such a cliche now that we're saying we're all in this together. We really are <laughs> in this together. We are like a giant hive, whether we're, you know, ants and bees are social species. We are a social species. And so um, the trade-offs that we make in the end they feel worse to some groups than others, but in the end, it will be better for everyone. And we need to figure out what those are because there's opportunities too. And this is where I think we need to be smart as Calgarians. There are things we have, we have a lot of strength in just the, where we're located, how we're set up as a city, how we're structured as a city, um, the high level of trust here, the fact that we're, um, it is a, it's a pretty clean city, you know, so we have a, we're on a really strong starting foundation for being a logical host for those tough conversations. We're not, uh, 
arrogant. We don't have um, a really strong position in the world to protect. We can pretty genuinely say, hey, what are the trade-offs and what are the opportunities that we could be looking at? You know, that's, that's interesting. Do you have any hints or thoughts of what, cause my mind kind of goes all over the place when I hear you, when I hear you say that any tangible elements or things that you think, like, I liked what you said about even Beakerhead. like there's things that we can do here because we're here. <laughs> so, and you know, you're, you're continuing on that theme, which I, which I really like. Is there anything specific or tangible that for you comes to mind of like, wow, you know, like geography, or you said like our, our commitment to the community and our trust of each other. Is there any things that you see, like if you run those down the road a little bit where you see some of those kind of turning into something mm-hmm. more tangible yeah uh, a little bit although it's you know it's, it's on that fine line between like all masterpieces there's some kind of perfect tension between these you know two choices and on the one i i think i think i think the line we need to figure out on one side of one hand is the the place the land the history here um the thousands and thousands of years of living here um, that other other ways of knowing have taught us a lot about. So it's been really rooted in this. Stay humble. This is where we're. This is where we are. And you know, you were raised on a on a farm. You know, I was. I was <laughs> super mentally healthy about ha- being grounded in that way. Right. Uh, yes, you're, you that. you are part. You are part of the world that you live in. Literally. <laughs> right. So we start with, on that foundation. We're part of the world that we live in. That keeps you humble, and it also makes you feel um, whole. I mean, I hope that doesn't sound too woo-woo. But uh, no, hey, hey yeah. we can go. This conversation is going to take a lot of twists and turns. So no, I think we're open right now for a little philosophical approach to things. Absolutely. Okay, so two feet firmly planted on the ground, and a lot of respect for that, for the land that we're on. Right, this is the environment. On the other hand, technology. This it is. It has the potential to move mountains. Literally, it does. Technology is extremely powerful. It is used to develop the vaccine that we need. It is, it is way safer to have surgery that now than it was 100 years ago. Um, it is way safer to drive in your car than it was um, I hope that's true. Maybe that's not true. Um, you know, I, I, I think I think statistically the amount of deaths due uh, due to uh, on the roads it has gone down because of safer vehicles with better brakes and better skills. I think airbags. So no, I I'll back you up on that. I don't have the stat either, but I I've had conversations with people about that just safety and like how people go, oh, it's so dangerous. They're like, well, actually, it's way less dangerous than it's ever been. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. So you'll notice in those you know jurisdictions in the world where there's high levels of technology, it tend life the quality of life tends to be. Um, safer. So, so those are the two things that I think we need to bring together. Cause that, what that means is making choices about technology, not accepting it holus bolus, but making choices. That's a combination of um, collective well-being and science and technology um, in a really healthy tension with the world that we're a part of. So like the healthy tension concept. And it's good to say that because nothing is ever without that back and forth and it should have it. Cause that's what critical thinking is, right? Going, well, we're not just going to accept this at face value. Yeah. Or, you know, I think even years ago, technology for the sake of technology sometimes was the trend where now it's technology for the betterment of, and I think that seems to be taking more of a role or just, again, we're speaking very philosophically now. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, and, and a very non-philosophical way about think of thinking about it is um, something that our neighbors, the zoo did, a few years ago when it moved its elephant 
back to be with its um, family or, or someone that it knew. And okay. That, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember that story off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's not my story to tell, so I'll try and tell it carefully. But my understanding is that they, um, the zoo is really into conservation first. And so there's this, the tension is people love looking at elephants. But as an organization dedicated to conservation, they made, in my view, the absolutely right decision to, I mean, elephants are social species too. And, um, and so they gave that elephant a home that was better for the elephant and not maybe for the viewers. That, that is a brilliant decision, if you ask me. And those are the kinds of trade-offs that we need to make. Uh, it, but I like what you said because their mandate and they were clear that it was conservation. Then the decision became very obvious. Like you know, once you set that kind of north star or all the different ways you can call that, decisions start to become easier, even when they're harder. Like that's a hard decision. But if if we are truly going to, unless we're going back and changing what was our key objective, this is, should be an, this should be an easy decision. Yeah, and for viewers and for people who love ele- elephants and wanted to go and look at an elephant, if you really love elephants. And you don't have a put a single elephant in a cage that didn't do anything wrong. So, you know, so that's a, that's a, those are the kinds of trade offs. That's a really gross example. And I just brought that up because I hope everybody can kind of relate to that. But that's the right mm-hmm. decision. And um, there's many, many more that are not going to feel as easy. Or, I mean, I'm sure that didn't even feel easy, you know, because. Um, Absolutely. I really like the appreciation of the tension and living in Alberta. You know, I'm, I wasn't in Alberta. I moved here 20 years ago. I'm proud to call myself an Alberta now. But oftentimes there is this conversation of this energy versus the environment, or this is, we should only focus on the energy industry here because that's what it's always been. But what about the technology industry? And what about biotech? And what about, uh, there's so many different things and there is a tension there. And sometimes it gets pretty fiery. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like we're stepping on one for the other, but there is a, what is it? The, 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 the sign of a balanced mind is you can hold two opposing ideas in your mind simultaneously and look at the value of each without just going one or the other. Yeah. It's easy to say on a podcast. Sometimes it's hard to do when it's something we're passionate about, like energy and you know, fossil fuels in this province as being one of those examples. Well, and what if it wasn't a battle? You know, like what if it, was, <laughs> yes. what if it, what if that path forward was a way of saying, um, wow, this actually works on both sides. There's a way that we can do this. It's a trade-off, but it's not a fight. It's a, well, if we do this, then we get this. And um, in the longer run, we end up you know, somewhere else. Yes, if you look far enough out to the horizon, and we, and we do a series of trade-offs that were very strategic, not just passion-driven or response-driven. Because again, I always joke, you can argue with, argue with facts, but when you start arguing with beliefs, things get really feisty. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I think we've all got our beliefs. And But like you said, if you can trade off, balance your trade-offs like everything, and it's kind of sometimes also being a grown-up, well, I can have this, but then it's going to cost me that. I can eat the donut, but then I'm going to have to do cardio. It's a simple, I know that the COVID-15 is something I'm seeing pop up everywhere on my social media feed right now. The, the weight gain over the, while we're all at home, you look at everything's a trade-off. How do you look far enough down the horizon and kind of go, well, I want to get here. So I'm willing to make trade-offs now. And yeah. that's a tough, that's a tough one. And it, we, everybody gets pretty fired up about what they believe in, in the moment. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's because um, there's so much judging going on and if we could set that aside. Um, it would be a lot easier to make decisions, right? So you find you find this a little bit more in healthcare. People are, instead of saying I'm battling cancer, they say, you know what? I'm living with cancer. Um, turns out the health outcomes, um, when you adopt that attitude, it, it appears to be much better. 
Yes, I've read some studies on the, the conceptual side and the soft side of medicine, and and in very like clinical studies, how's that shown? Like the call it the placebo effect you want, but the mindset mm-hmm. and the warm side of it can show huge amounts of improvement in recovery. Yeah, yeah. Well, the you know yeah. uh, we, we've we've gone down an interesting road in this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, love it. It, it. There is something. Um, well, it's because the, I think the science center is is trying to find that that perfect balance point between um, being really sciencey and technological and also being true to Calgary. But, you know, I was just thinking about that, um, that sort of that healthcare model. It's, Mm -hmm. it's not just the placebo effect. It actually is better or it can be better. Right. Yes. Placebo uh, effect almost diminishes it. Yeah. That's probably wasn't the right word. (laughs) You know, I was listening to some of the mental health stats around um, what the COVID-19 isolation and, you know, how hard that is on people. Um, Loneliness can have the same impact on your physical health as smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day. Oh, I have not heard. Wow. (laughs) Loneliness is the new smoking. I have not heard that. That's powerful. (laughs) Yes. Wow. So, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a disgust. Like I'm going to use the word disgust. That's a disgusting comparison to think about 15 cigarettes. To me, that's a just like, I would be a non-starter, but to put it in that context, I've never heard that before. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's, um, it's just a, it's just a way of describing the fact that we, everything is connected, you know, certainly mind, body, um, mental health, spiritual, health, all that stuff. It, it really is that, they're parts of a whole and, and it's, and if you're in tension or battling, you know, the old, you know, mind heart battle, if you're ah, I'm not going to go, you know, I'm not interested in a fight. What does it look like to find a, you know, a fine line where all sides can, you know, can survive. So there's, can we, can, can we, can we all just get along? <laughs> I could have raised that. So, so back to, back to the world we live in, back to the, the ecosystem that we're all part of, you know, obviously can't talk about Calgary without talking about Alberta, without talking about Western Canada, then Canada. But what do you see? Cause obviously you're very involved in the community being the role that you have in the organization that you work with. What, what are, where are those things, where are we doing well? Like, do you have examples of like, yeah, you know what, these groups are really coming together and they're balancing off maybe these two perspectives or there's initiatives that you've been aware of? Because part of the show is also to get people aware of things that are going on that they might not have heard about. Uh-huh. So is there some things that you want to hold up as like, hey, we need to be proud of this. This is great that this is happening. Uh-huh. Well, it, it's not my area of expertise, but I will say this. I'm always surprised to hear how strong this area is on um, in terms of technology. So I did not know this, but I just learned recently that Alberta has an Internet of Things Association. Yes, the IoT. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the I think it is the most robust of its of its type in Canada. Is it? I have uh, Brenda Beckedorf is the woman who runs it. Yeah. And I think when I had her on the show probably two months ago, they went from 40 member companies to 100 member, 120 member companies in like six months. Yeah. So it's just skyrocketing. I, that I Something about the whole IoT concept to me, it just feels right for Alberta. I don't know. There's something about it that uh, you're, you're right. You don't hear about it until you do. And it's quite the under, there's quite an under movement of, of, of companies working in that space that you just never hear about. No. And, um, you know, the AI group that is in the, at the University of Alberta, it's, it is one of the best in the world. 
You know, it is uh, that that team, machine learning team up there is is just top of class. And, you know, so there are these pockets of unparalleled excellence and we there's not enough of them to give us a Silicon Valley um, brand. But there are things that we do that are very, very strong. You know, there's some quantum researchers in Calgary that are they're just at the top of their class. And there are um, artists who have, you know, won the Palme d'Or at Cannes or um, just absolutely top of class who choose to make Calgary home. So they're here. Um, we're a modest city and, and it doesn't help to brag. But I, what I would say is we know what excellence looks like. So if you're passionate, let's support each other. Let's figure out who's doing what and um, try and try and, you know, leverage the kinds of investments in energy and quality that that groups are making and that, you know, artists are making and researchers are making and companies are making. And let's um, try not to get too distracted. Like we know the world's out there. We know where the bar is. Okay, let's not get too distracted and have uh, um, envy. Just do what we do well. And, it's just um, sometimes you just do what you do. But I think I, I, I agree about bragging, but also as a marketer, there is an opportunity for us to better tell our stories. Uh, sometimes I think we're a bit too humble. If there's something I would say we could do different, yeah. if you're doing something great, but nobody knows about it, um, you got to share it a little bit. But there's a difference between bragging and sharing. I guess now I'm just splitting hairs on words. <laughs> well, I guess that's why I was trying to say support each other. Because if I say I'm cool, I'm not cool. But if you say I'm cool, then I'm cool. So Touché, yeah, touche. <laughs> Mary, I think you're very cool. You just have just to for tell the record. stories. <laughs> you are so cool. <laughs> um, so I'm, and this is a curious question. Now I plead, I'm pleading ignorance, ignorance on this for sure. For, as the science center, do you reach out to the groups like the AI group or the or the Alberta IoT Association? And is there like, are you guys forming partnerships as an organization to showcase or bring displays or engagements for your visitors in that would then showcase that technology? And I just don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, absolutely. We absolutely okay. do. So maybe showcase isn't the right word because it's not a you know it's not a trade fair floor, but we will use, work with um, Alberta companies, absolutely, 100%, as we build these amazing environments that people are thrilled in and then say, wow, how I had no, what, that, that concrete was made from uh, CO2 as the raw ingredient. Oh my God, that was the most amazing VR experience. That's that company just in uh, Inglewood that did that or... Uh, Wow, I you know I was immersed. Yeah, you're, you're you're showcasing the thing, and then by default, then the company gets more awareness. But it's all about people because it's there's so much great technology and it's evolving so quickly. We most people haven't if you haven't done virtual reality, like you're missing out. Like it will blow your mind. So I love the experiential side of the science center where it's like you walk out going telling people because what do we share? What do we get excited about? We get excited about the experience and how it made us feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just first do an amazing job. That's our plan. Our plan is to do an amazing job. And then people will say, wow, how did you do that? And then there, and then this, and then you're in a conversation with somebody and um, people learn through conversation much better than from a sermon or Mark <laughs> being spoken at. <laughs> and uh, so yes. that's how we can tell those stories. But first you I think have, that's, yeah, go ahead. Well, you have to, you have to trigger the question. You have to trigger their curiosity and then you can yes. tell them. 
create an interesting enough experience for some. It's kind of the push-pull. If you push it on somebody, they're going to push back. If you give them something interesting, they're going to go and want to pull more information and, and learn. And learn. We're such an experiential system. We're, we're humans. We learn by experience. And that often comes through connection and touching, feeling, and some of the things that we're not being allowed to do right now. So that is an interesting kind of paradigm in itself. Yeah. Yeah. I always think about um, communications as um, how computers talk to each other. You know, first they say, hey, computer, are you there? Yeah, I'm there. Are you, I'd like to send you a message. Okay, well, I, I understand your intention. I'm ready to take the first party message. Here goes, you know, and then they. <laughs> I've never heard it broken down that way before. <laughs> set up so that the, the communications, so that the content can be shared, right? And um, so we have to pay as much attention to the, to making sure that there's a healthy conversation ready to happen before we put our content into that space. Oh, that's yes. Oh, that's that's interesting. Versus just starting throwing content around without thinking about that first. I think it's easy to do that. We get so caught up in that. That's an interesting way to change the order. I know. I well, I come out of the world of science communications, and so you know, we're all really passionate about this science. We want to tell everybody about these things that we we just have fallen in love with. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> people don't share that passion, and so they're not listening. Yes. We, as a marketing company in Calgary, we've done a lot of work with organizations that are very engineering at their focus. And nobody loves that that 2000 word eight point font like an engineer, but you know who doesn't quite get that? Who's ready to receive that yet is your audience. So they'll might get there, but you've got to take them on like the hierarchy of the journey and getting them ready to receive the thing at the end. Exactly. But I think it's so easy to focus on like, but no, no, this is going to be amazing. I'm not even ready to listen yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. You, I'm not convinced. I'm busy. By the way, I, you know, I'm making dinner and, uh, yeah. By the way, yes, I'm, yeah, we're, we're, we're all, we're all too busy. Um, Anything that we're not doing, you know, and this isn't about, this is a positive, this is shows about positive future for Calgary, but you can't talk about positive futures without talking about realities, which sometimes are negative. Anything where you see us really getting in our own, in our own way, are we, where are we building our own roadblocks or burying our own, our own landmines from what you see? Um, well, you've probably gotten a clue already that, um, that my glasses are pretty tinged pink. <laughs> um, and I, I do i do enjoy that as well i like i like a positive conversation for sure you know i'm sure they're there um i don't pay a lot of attention to them they don't okay. they don't serve the cause I'm, i know they're there um but um you know i don't they haven't gotten in my way Right. Ah, yes. Okay. I, I appreciate it. You're, you're, it is what you look at. And I guess if there's anything you could change in this city from a, even if it's just a belief or maybe how we, how we think versus how maybe we could think differently, maybe say it from that it's six months from now, something has changed that you waved your magic, your, your telespark magic wand. And you said, that's going to be different. Cause I think it'll really set us up for future success. Is there anything that you would just kind of push off the side of the table? I'm just changing the question to maybe trade it to a much more positive way forward type thinking. Yeah. Um, I think setting expectations and holding each other up to them is really important. You know, like, um, if we just cheerlead each other and say, that's awesome, but really it's not that awesome. Um, it doesn't help anyone. Oh, okay. I appreciate that. Maybe a little more willingness to be honest and not just, you know, I've had guests on and they're like, I really want to, you know, say that we need to do, but I'm scared to say it because someone might be offended. I'm like, sometimes you got to take the risk to put something out there just to get the conversation going without not like with being respectful in that process. But you're right. Just slapping everyone on the back saying good game without actually giving honest feedback, but feedback's hard because 
you know, not everyone is ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. Well, that and that comes back to that sort of um, and instead of um, the battle situation, right? Because feedback can be a way of saying, I actually really respect how much time and energy you put into this. And I see, I see some potential here. And so, so what if uh, this is what's working for me and this isn't what's working for me? You know, have you thought about this or have you thought about that? So taking the time to give that feedback, as long as the recipient doesn't take it as judgment or criticism, then they can say, right, okay, let me tackle that. And that way, you know, the, the bar goes higher and higher for everyone. So I do think we have to hold each other up to those high standards, you know, and it means when you're talking to each other, looking behind you and seeing whether or not this would hold up in a global context. Otherwise, it's very, very easy. We're all human. We all start. We want to be supportive. It's so easy to be talking to ourselves. It's something you have to keep looking outside. Okay, we're talking to each other, but is 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 it a conversation that's interesting on a global scale? That's the global, I've had some innovators and some entrepreneurs and startup people on the show in the last little while. And a couple of them talked about going through creative destruction labs or working with startup Calgary. And they're like, if you're not willing to let other smart people tell you about the things you're not seeing and the blind spots that you're creating, like it's hard. You go home that first night and kind of have a tear and then you get over it and you listen to the feedback and you move forward because they're there with good intentions. But are you ready? Are you ready to receive it? And that's get back. We keep circling back to the philosophical side of this. We're still all humans having this experience and sometimes we're a bit fragile. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, one of the ground rules for creativity that we use at the science center is to check your ego at the door. You know, it just doesn't, we really can't get to where we we need to go if, if we're all concerned about how this makes us feel. Because it's not about us. It doesn't matter really how it makes us feel. What we're trying to do is create experiences that make other people feel awesome. So let's uh, just um, park us. And we all have egos, but they're not useful in a creative space. And yes. we're going to have to- they have, they have their place. It's to know when to turn them on and when to turn them off. Yeah. That's the trick, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pick it up with your bag on your way out, but <laughs> you know, leave it there. Yeah. It's part, part. Yeah. Cause you got it. I mean, you got to use short form too, right? You got to use shorthand and sometimes you don't have time to couch every comment with the, in the good news sandwich. You've just got it. Everybody's agreed gloves off. This is what we're doing here. And then we're going to leave. It, it's going to hurt a little bit, but when we leave, we're all going to be so proud of what we've accomplished. Cause it's, it's much stronger than any one of us would have done on our own. We we changed our philosophy years ago at because at working at an ad agency you do a lot of creative and yeah. it would it was it was like well whose idea was that was it your idea was the the idea only happened because we were all in the room together so it's yeah. everyone's idea there's yeah. no like whose was it and because I'll say one thing and then you'll add on it then you'll take a piece off and you'll add another piece and it changed our culture when we started to focus on that together we like it takes a team to execute but these ideas can come from anywhere at the end of the day, my, I only responded the way I did because you questioned me the way you did. So yeah. was, it, did it, was it really my idea or was it? And I think that's a different mindset from the, you know, the, uh, the I to the, to the we and the us versus me. <laughs> kind of. And if you ever waste time trying to follow a thread back to see whose idea was what, it is a, it's such a waste of time. It, it's, and in fact, it, it's not the point. It's really not, a, you know, and literally it's not about getting points. It's about <laughs> yes. figuring out, like, is this a team that can come up with amazing experiences for other people? If yes, I'm on it. If not, you know, y- you do need to have a pretty, you need to be secure. 
Uh, you're back to yes, back to your, your still, I think the, the, the first guest I had on the show was Jim Gibson from Rainforest. And he taught he talked about the Rainforest concept and just like it all starts with you and your own mindset. If you can't, if that's not open or that isn't willing to to receive new information, be right, be wrong. Mm-hmm. He goes, forget about all this other change is gonna happen when you you know, companies aren't going to solve it because it's still a bunch of individuals coming together. And uh-huh. he kind of opened the, the series that we, that we started with collisions talking about, yeah, it's not government. It's not companies, it's individuals and the mindsets that they have. And it's very philosophical, but it's very true. Yeah. So I guess if, just to answer your question about, um, is there anything that you would change? It might be that, um, even though we, ha- I said, you know, we have to stay humble and we also have to be confident because there that's the ground rules for being successful right now. Like Jim says, you know, we need to be confident. That confidence will, will allow us to do things like check our ego at the door and um, really hold each other up to higher standards and and do whatever it takes to get there. Um, yeah. But you're right. That, that, that confidence is what allows you to be secure in those situations. To be right or be wrong, it doesn't matter. You're on the, it's not even right or wrong. It's the learning, it's the journey you're on. If you're not confident, that's where it gets into kind of sacred ground really quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could almost just stop right there. I'm not going to, but I'm like, that felt like a nice, just, well, we'll just go very, very little spiritual at the end. Yeah. Um, if, if if you were going to build, where this is now an opposite of a, of a philosophical question, or maybe it could be. A dashboard, things that you look at as an organization and say, well, okay, I like where things are headed because I see this is happening. If you were going to build your Calgary dashboard or Alberta, like we're moving in the quote unquote right direction, is there any key indicators for you that you really look for? Some people say net new migration. Some people say startup. Some people say, I've had someone say that, you know what? When we see a bad oil and gas headline in the newspaper, we don't care about it. We're not worried about it anymore because it isn't our only industry. So it can be anywhere across the board. Anything on your dashboard? Um, I would look for a critical mass of companies, organizations, experiences. It doesn't matter what it is um, that are noticed elsewhere, right? Like the, the library getting headlines in the New York Times was very good for Calgary uh, for law and for you know much more than just the library. So the more that we are noticed by others, again, we can say we're cool, but if other people say we're cool, it means something. It holds way more water. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, that's what I look, I look for because, you know, the power of just a handful of good stories is amazing. Like I had heard about Austin for years before, decades before I went there. And I didn't even actually know anything about any companies there, but I heard a couple of stories about Austin. You know, and it's all the, it's the hero story that goes, they used to be this, and then they tried really hard, and then they became this. And, you know, that doesn't have to, you don't have to hear those stories more than a handful of times for that to change your perception. The thing I realized about Calgary, when we first started Beakerhead, and we were inviting folks from, um, I remember in the first year, we had people come in from Vienna and California, um, Montreal, like quite a few different parts in the world. And I was a bit nervous of what the, um, the Europeans and the, and the Californians, especially mm-hmm. were going to think of us. And they were so impressed. And I really, interesting. yeah, I thought, ah, we don't have to do a hard sell. We just have to get people here because the restaurants here are like, it's kind of a cool city. 
people are very it, it, worldly. It, the last five to 10 years, like the cool, when I first moved here back in 2000, there was a moment of like, hmm, I was from Montreal and I, that whole scene, I moved here. I was like, hmm. But in the last five to 10 years, Calgary is just like the restaurant. Like I think it's improved like tenfold in the last five, yeah. 10 years. There's some really neat spots and there's yes, there is. really good restaurants. And um, there's some really nice vibes in different places. And people are very impressed by how um, clean it is. <laughs> so how, how clean it is, how friendly people are. Like, there's a lot of things yeah. that is very Calgary. Kind of and, and very ownable here, too. <laughs> yeah. So we just have to get them here. Right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's that, that's unfortunate because during this current situation and travel, and like I'm not, I don't know what that looks like for the next. Day. It will, it will come back around. But I definitely, unfortunately, we have a very different world ahead of us here for the immediate future. I know. Um, luckily, the whole world's in the exact same boat. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. You know, there are there are um, tourism countries. You know. Yes. Yes. You know. You look at. Yes. Yeah, I I didn't want to make that sound like a whine because you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of communities that that is their GDP is tourism. Yeah, so that's now I think this global pandemic has really leveled the playing field, and um, we're all it's it's not about competing now for people who are making other choices. (laughs) Nobody's able to go anywhere. Yes, we're we're all going to start from scratch again. Yes. Yeah. Which again is wherein lies the opportunity to tell the story a little bit different, and maybe there's going to be more domestic travel. Will probably be first. I'm like, if I'm going to travel at all this summer, it's going to be somewhere in Canada in a neighboring province for sure. Like the that's not even uh, that's just my own that's my only option, and I'm super and I'm okay with it. That's fine. <laughs> Look, I like a science and engineering city with wide open spaces. This sounds good to me. This sounds safe. Well, that so happens to be our brand, right? So yeah, there's always opportunity at all how you engage with them. Um, last question, or maybe a couple last questions, but it, if you were going to take two industries or two groups, could be either, and kind of collide them together, and that maybe is because they need to just learn from each other, one's really accomplished something that the other needs. Is there any industries that you think or any groups or organizations that should be spending more time together just to create a little bit of that kind of open creativity that we talked about? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that was the whole, the whole point of Beakerhead was to bring the art world into a collision with the science world. And um, they, they both, it's not that the science world or the art world needs it, actually. It's just, it's just that the, the mainstream world needed a middle ground of both of those places, right? So, um, science has, is very specialized and it uses its own jargon and many scientists want to communicate it. And to be honest, it's not a skill that is um, valued all that highly within the science communicate community or community, although that's changing. In the art world, same thing, very specialized, uh, very peer-reviewed, holding just like science, and um, they're super siloed. And so if you bring science into the art world or art into the science world, it, what ends up it happening is that um, it gets uncomfortable in both silos. Like, really, I mean, you could deal with science in art, but scientists don't respect it. Um, you could have scientists making art but scientists are you know artists you know they're not dabbling in art they're professional right yes they're they're living it yeah so what we need is a place in the middle that's different than either of those other two it's not just a commingling of the two it's actually it's a different thing and that's Mm, okay i appreciate that it's not just we're gonna we're gonna jam this in here or jam it in there it's almost like that the third place almost like the that that whole mindset it's like no we're creating an actual whole new category or way of thinking that doesn't 
beat up force one into the other. Ah, It's a whole other thing. And that's what the science center is. It's a cultural Mm. experience. It's an emotional experience. It has science embedded in everyday life and things that you care about. So, and that's very different. It's not pure art. It's not pure science. It's a, it's a third distinct profession. So, you know, we've started science communication school at the science center. Oh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know that. That's super interesting. Yeah. So this uh, pandemic has um, interfered with a few of the launch plans, but I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. You know, it's because it's a distinct skill. It's not, it's, um, scientists are often, um, uh, what's the right word? Not discouraged. If, If they spend too much time talking to the media, their, their peers think that they're, um, not spending enough time in the lab. So, so we need to create sort of professional respect around people who are willing to bring science into mainstream culture um, and, and not hold it up to the same standards as what it means to do science or what it means to make art. Because art, too, like you don't tell artists, oh, a little more blue. You know, it's an art form um, and they do what they need to do. They're professionals. But in this in this world in between, it's very designy. Because it's all about an experience. And, you know, we got to listen to data. If it doesn't resonate for people, if it doesn't connect with them emotionally, then we're not going to achieve um, why, why a science center exists. Well, I like, I heard what you said, you know, the, the, the way I heard it was, you know, we create experiences that people value and, and like that and taking the world of science and art, bringing it all together. Cause you're right. If, if, if someone's having that experience, they're going to learn more, they're going to engage more, they're going to take more away. If it, if they don't see it as relevant or valuable or connect to it at all, they're done. They're done. Like we have very short attention spans. Right. Our job, we're, we're, our job is to create doors and windows into this world. Did it work mm. for you? Could you walk through that door? Could you see through that window? If not, we haven't done our job. But that job is a different job than doing science or making art. So, and it takes hmm, you give me a whole new way to think about the science center. So that, that's that's awesome. And so, so if I'm a if I'm an organization in Calgary, I'm a company. I'm I've got something cool or a technology that I'm really excited about. Would I reach out to the science center to look for help? To like, hey, how do I tell my story better? Or can we can we participate in something that you're doing? Like, does it work? Is it as is it as transactional as I just made it sound when I said it that way? Um, yes, yes, yes. You should definitely reach out. Is it as transactional? Okay. Well, we need to talk, right? Because okay, yes. start the, back to the conversation, right? <laughs> well, people. Think think, um, hey, I've got this really cool thing. I want to share it to people. And then we're going to say, do you think they care? <laughs> Which is back to those being able to deal with those hard questions. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's go ask somebody else if they if they care about it as much as you do. If the answer is yes, then let's figure a way, out a way to make that story accessible to all kinds of people. Um, but uh, nine times out of 10, the answer is, is no, because most yeah. Most research is pretty high up on the research bench. I mean, this is no yes. territory, right? Um, there's not a lot that's that can be easily brought into everyday conversation right now, just because of the the way you know the scale at which science is done now, and how comprehensive it is. Right? How deep they go down that rabbit hole? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or with for a technology company, for example, to be a, to be really successful, you have to have mastered, you know something probably at a, at a scale that is invisible to the human eye. I'm just thinking of a nanotechnology invention, right? So, you know, your genius, your stroke of genius is probably invisible. It may even be a process or a service, yes. right? That's boring for most people. 
from the experiential standpoint, like you explained. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like you've got to, it's got to be big enough that it creates a wow, a wow factor. Yeah. But in the hands of the right storyteller that it, mm. there, there can be a wow. So, so it's, it's just not automatic. It takes time. So in that, to answer your question, yes, please, please, please. Yes. We want to, we want to help. We want to be relevant. Yes. Let's have these conversations. I'm hearing loud and clear that you want to be in the, like, let's, let us be in the conversation. Even if nothing comes from it, at least we're having a conversation. Something always comes from a, like nothing ever happens without a conversation or a relationship somewhere in the mix. And chances are in the process of helping you understand what, what that story is that, that's interesting to others because a lot of times um, we found that um, scientists don't or technologists, they don't always understand what the really interesting thing is. Like we'll be talking to somebody for an hour and then the last minute they say something. It's like, you're kidding. Like that's where that's, that's the thing. I know it's a hundred percent the same as we're doing discovery with client. They're like, yeah, we do this stuff, but you know, we don't tell anybody that I'm like, Oh my God, that's the thing you need to talk about. Like you, that's the thing that you're taking your core competencies are often the things you just take for granted is like, well, that's just the way it is. I'm like, yes, only for you though. We need to share that. And that's, that's that's the in, the inventor. That's the being too close to it paradigm. I think we all deal with sometimes. So even so, any conversation with the science center would probably be helpful in the long run, even if it is to even if it starts in the science in a science communications um, part of the center where it's not really ready for it's not re- ready for mainstream cultural consumption, but it's uh, but there's definitely a conversation there, and that's one of the things that you're going to see when we reopen and when we're able to reopen in a more natural way is that we want to host those conversations. We want to have those companies come in. We want to have um, artists and residents and technologists and residents and digital designers and residents and have science Sundays in this new cafe bar and you can have a glass of wine and oh, excellent. Okay. have conversations and meet somebody who is studying quantum nosebleed physics, right? Like that's, that's one of the roles that we can play. Is this- well, it sounds like you're, you're you're creating a space for more collisions. That you know, what platform is doing downtown about you know the whole concept of innovation happens three stories and below, where people are banging into each other, and all of those stories that we've heard, the Pixar story about putting the bathroom, so make sure people bang into each other when they have to meet. Yeah. You know, I never saw the science center in that light, but listening to you talk, there's nowhere better to do that. Absolutely, you got you guys are the best boys. Sorry, I feel like I'm giving you. A, I'm doing your pitch now. Like you are, you are, you are the most qualified to host that type of and create that type of opportunity for for collisions not to overuse that word but to, for people to collide and talk to the, the the nanotechnologists and the artists and what that what that could yield and that's that's exciting to me about like that's that's worth traveling from somewhere else to come just to go see that see that happening yeah. to hope you can witness, witness it behind uh, behind the, in that space we feel it's our responsibility to do that very interesting well, I'm happy to be able to one personally first step first audience of one to learn and understand and get a much deeper appreciation for the science center because it was something that I've driven by hundreds of times. I've been once. I will go, I will be on your I'll be on your list when you guys first when you guys open to come in and I'll have a whole new set of glasses goggles on of what I'll be seeing when I walk through. Um, obviously, your website is out there. Is there any way if somebody wants to connect and go, hey, you know what? I was really inspired by this conversation. I'd love to. I don't know how it would work, but I'd love to get a little more ingrained. What's the best way for them to get a hold of? Yeah, well, me personally, you can just write to CEO at sparkscience.ca. There's also a collaborate button on our on the website, where you can send in an idea. It's pretty we're pretty limited right now as to what we can do. But you will see some pretty bold partnership programs happening out there online, virtual. 
Yes, it's a new it's a new world. I love how everyone's pivoted so quickly to find ways to still stay connected and still keep things moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So our doors are they're not just open; they are wide open, and we are warmly welcoming these conversations, especially with Calgary's tech sector and the future. You know, we're there to help build that future. Our our doors are open to the future. That's it. There, boom. There's a little mini tagline right there. <laughs> Marianne, thank you so much for your candor today and the willingness to, to go like speak specifics, but also get a little bit philosophical. I think we took a nice, uh, we took some nice twists and turns in our chat today. I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it too, Tyler. Thanks. <laughs>